Now we get to overreact to two games. Two games. We're going to go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> now it's real. Welcome back to the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz, but we are welcoming Aaron Schroeder back. How are you doing? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm enjoying, I don't know how often we can do the two pods a week, but I'm enjoying it while we can do it. I appreciate it. I'll be here as much as I can. I just, I just like talking about basketball, man. Just here for hoops. I got to ask because last time we lost someone and they came back was Dylan who abandoned us to play Dungeons and Dragons. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. You don't have to worry about Dungeons and Dragons taking me away from, from basketball. Man, I was going to ask you what your go-to accent was for characters. Ah, uh, man, I wouldn't know. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're interested in Dungeons and Dragons, we also do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Low Initiative. Please check that out, too. Very cool stuff. Cross-platform plugs here. But we got playoffs. Yeah, it's been so, awesome. I loved it. Just for our listeners, in attempts to not instantly date ourselves, we're going to start out west. Uh, Aaron, give me a series. What What are you watching? What's... Uh, uh, top of your mind i think the wolves and grizzlies got everyone's attention game one i was waiting for like the big overreaction game what's the big mm-hmm. game one of reaction i think that was it and I, I if i could have bet sports betting is illegal in california if i could have bet i would have bet on the grizzlies game too there is just one of those things where it's like no 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 like they're gonna handle business they're not gonna get swept timberwolves aren't gonna shoot 70 percent from the field or whatever number they had the grizzlies made the adjustments they needed i thought i'd take care of yeah. business yeah, I watched game one, and it looked like Minnesota was still riding the high from the play-in. They had they had ratcheted up the intensity. This is playoff basketball. Memphis was still playing regular season ball. They hadn't made that adjustment yet. And I watched the game, and I was like, yeah, all right, this Memphis is going to adjust. I still think it's going to be a quick series in Memphis's favor. And game two just, just helped solidify that. I had Memphis winning in five, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if that still happens. I thought they I made the adjustment. I think I did, had that too. But has it kind of changed your opinion of any of the Minnesota guys? Are you ready to put Anthony Edwards into the top 25 for next season? I'd have to review a list, but I, I think it's totally possible. He's the guy on a playoff team right now. Kind of diminishes how I feel about Cat, where Cat's not the guy on this team anymore. It's, it's, it's Ant, and Ant is fantastic. D'Angelo Russell's playing horribly, but... I feel like Ant can be that number one guy on a playoff team, and that's really special for Minnesota. D'Lo comes and goes, but I remember when we were doing our all-star debate, I was trying to argue that we should have Ant in the all-star game, um, but at that point, he had played more guard, and I think MB- the NBA listed him only eligible as a guard on the on the voting ballot. So I was like really struggling to try to figure out a way to get him in there. He'll be an all-star next season. He might be all-NBA next season. That would be awesome. I'm so in love with these these playoffs so far. Uh, before we jumped on this pod to record, I just got done watching Phoenix and New Orleans. And, you know, Devin Booker's injury is really sad to see. But he was just lights out through the first basically two quarters, uh, injured pretty early in the third. And then Brandon Ingram, I, I'm like... What, I didn't think Brandon could do this, but he's doing it. Ingram looks incredible. I watched last uh, last, last night's game. I watched last night's game, and he was awesome. The Suns kind of rallied in the fourth just a little bit, 
he was bucket, 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 and the game was over. Mm-hmm. And to have someone mm-hmm. like that, it looked like Durant out there, where it's like kind of hanging out on the wing, you throw it 10 feet in the air, he goes and snags it with his long arms, and one dribble, bucket. And, and that's really rare to find. As a Michigander, I just kept thinking, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? And he stood up. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, of the young stars that would kind of break out, which ones changed your opinion the most about them or you know, really exceeded expectations? I feel like, in a sense, it's still Ingram. Because I, well, I want to talk about, um, I think it's still Ingram. He looked incredible against the one seed, against a team with great perimeter defense, mm-hmm. with Jay Crowder, with Cam Johnson, with those guys that really met in, on paper match up well with him. And I just, I thought he didn't care. I don't think he saw those guys. I think if you ask Ingram who was guarding him, I don't think he knows. I, I remember I was watching a possession and I was trying to pay a special attention to who was guarding who. And I was like, ah, Jay Crowder is on uh, CJ McCollum. This must mean they're like really valuing McCollum and trying to stop McCollum. And then the ball swings around and Brandon Ingram said, I'm like, oh, he's got bridges on him. All right, they just ran a, a little switch action, and now he's got Cam Johnson on him. And like, that's still not a great matchup. Like, Phoenix has a lot of quality wing defenders, and it just didn't seem to phase Ingram last night. Not at all, not at all. I didn't even mean to move off of the Memphis stuff so fast, but I don't, I don't know if the Suns are gonna win this playoff series. Devin Booker is hurt, and I watched the game last night. I didn't. Did not like what Phoenix is doing. And Jay Crowder has been horrible. I think he's made two shots all series. Um, the Pelicans are... The Suns roll out with this Cam Johnson, Crowder, Aiden front line. Pelicans are like, cool. Here's Jonas Valanciunas and, and uh, Larry Nance Jr. And Jackson Hayes. We're going to go big. We're going to get tons of offensive rebounds. We're going to get tons of second chance points. And that matters. Worst teams can beat better teams if they get second chance points all the time. Yeah, I mean, second chance points and threes are like the highest variance. I guess, second, uh, you know, offensive rebounds aren't a variance thing. Usually one team is just better or worse at it. But the Pelicans do have a high three-point shooting threshold. Um, I have been incredibly out on Devontae Graham since the beginning, and he is not doing it for But, you know, CJ, CJ's been hitting. Herb Jones was in last night. Ingram had a couple of really big threes that I, I watched him hit. And I was like, I did not think they were going to go in. I did not. As a guy that's coached very small high school basketball i would have designed my off or my defense to try to give brandon ingram some of those threes and some of those looks to be like all right you know what we can live with that we got the ball out of cj's hand it's not going to val in the post like i, I can live with that and they just knocked down the shots that i would have wanted him to get yeah and phoenix did not look like themselves at all at the end of the game i think it's herb jones or trey murphy i forget who it was but they got two looks sons are good back on defense and they sneak behind him passed it right up to him yeah one was definitely the herb jones uh jose alvarado kind of like dribbled up court and there's three sons back and he kind of does a little hezzy and they step up to him and herb just walks around the backside and catches the ball well it's like did, did, did none of you see herb like i mean he he was not booking it he kind of you know did a, did a lazy walk up and then a quick sprint and all of a sudden he was behind all three of you and catching the ball it was it was wild that Phoenix just missed that. And I feel like with Booker going out, now it's Chris Paul. And the Pelicans are a big team, and they're going to be physical. They're going to put big guys on Chris Paul. I feel like Booker mm-hmm. could take those hits, could take that 
you know, running through, running around screens, getting hit in the paint. I don't think Chris Paul is, loves the idea of playing 40 minutes and just getting banked up. I don't think he loves it, but I still feel like Phoenix has to come out of this series. I mean, they played so well without Paul. They played so well without Booker this year. I I forget what the exact win percentages was, but it was like over 65% wins in the, you know, 11 or 12 games that Booker missed. So I'm I'm not too worried about them. Uh, you know, whenever you lose home court to the to a lower seed, you got to kind of worry. But I, I feel like they'll still figure this out and take it in six. I'm worried, man. I, I was so high on the Suns. I just felt like uh, fully healthy. It was this juggernaut, this machine without Booker. Because Booker, is their, I feel like, is their best player. I don't think, if you're a huge Chris Paul fan, but I think Booker was their best player. Without him, you're playing a team that also is better than their record suggests. They started horribly. They made some big trades at the deadline. If you played the season over again with the same Pelicans team, I think they win like 46 games. And that's a different story. That's true. They definitely have outplayed their early season performance. I just, I feel like Phoenix has enough going for them. There was a series of like three or four possessions in a row where Mikhail Bridges just back cut his man and received actually some really beautiful passes from JaVale McGee and then a few possessions later from DeAndre Ayton. Like these Pelicans, even when everything is hitting, they just don't have enough in my mind to to handle all of Phoenix's options. I mean, New Orleans shot 56% from three. They're not going to do that every game. If you just take that down to a more normal, or even you just take that down to 40% from three, Phoenix wins this game. They were hot. They were hot from deep. They had some great looks. I I keep going back to the bigs. Valanciunas can be attacked defensively. I I mean, I think, did he have 25 boards in game one? Something like that. I think he did. Um, I I think... I think New Orleans is going to own the paint for the rest of this series, and I, I, I'd be near. I pick Phoenix to win the whole thing, um, which seems ridiculous that I'm freaking out about New Orleans, but I just I, I can't erase what I saw last night. I was like, this Pelicans team is just they do it. They they would get five chances on at a shot because they kept getting the ball back, kept knocking out of bounds. But that reminds me, I want to see what adjustments phoenix makes i feel like they're gonna make adjustments not sure what that answer is but in the memphis series steven adams played 24 minutes game one three minutes game two that's immediate adjustment and immediate success i don't know what kind of looks the suns have that can change things they can definitely play cam johnson more i don't love the idea of playing tory craig more if Nico was here, he'd be saying, "Yeah, they should have kept Efi because you got to have a backup shooting guard that's willing to willing to take some shots, play make a little." But I just think Phoenix has enough depth. They've been here before. Campaign, I don't love campaign, but I, I think he can step up into a larger role. We did see it last year when Chris Paul was down; uh, he was able to elevate his play. And I haven't got the official prognosis on Booker yet, but I feel like he's only going to be out two games, maybe. And maybe not even that. But if he can come back and play half, you know, some limited minutes, uh, we're seeing it in the Nuggets Golden State game. Getting that guy back for even just part time, just as a, a floor spacer, especially for a top three point shooter, that is incredibly lethal. So I, I really wouldn't worry about Phoenix too much. I'm not pressing the panic button just yet. I'm smashing it. I'm, I'm <laughs> both hands banging on the panic button booker was we haven't really mentioned it but booker was unconscious to start oh my god i was losing my mind watching this game on the couch off the couch i was running in circles i I couldn't believe the shots he was taking and especially making it 
I was like Kobe. It sounds ridiculous, but I'm like, I can't believe the level of difficulty. Yeah. I didn't even I don't even see the angles on these shots. And I'm like, how does he even get that off? How do you straighten, you know, get a good look, shoulder square to the basket from these angles? It's it was wild. I remember I checked the box scores this morning before I got a chance to watch the game, and I didn't realize that he missed half the game because I'm just looking at him like, oh, dang, 31 points on 12 for 19 shooting. Like this is this is a great game from him. Uh, and I, I just I didn't see the minutes column was 25. Uh, and then I'm watching the game and he goes out. I was like, I, I, I could not believe how good of a game he was playing up until that injury. Can I tell you which team I'm smashing the panic button for? Let me take a look. Is this Western Conference? It is Western Conference. It's the Nuggets. It's the Nuggets. It's the Nuggets. You're worried about the Nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think. Although I'll tell you what, I was going to go in a different direction with the Pelicans are shooting really hot. The other team that has uncharacteristically hot shooting that's going to cool off is Golden State. There's no way. I mean, it's just impossible for them to, to continue shooting this hot. Jordan Poole is shooting 65, 58, 91 splits right now. I mean, that's just not going to continue to happen. I don't think Denver wins this series, but to say that gold, this is like Golden State's moment, they're going to they're, you know, they're gonna win two games going into the finals, or, or sorry, lose two games heading into the finals and just take care of everybody, it's just not true. I have been so utterly disappointed with Denver's defense. They did, uh, Golden State ran this like little flare screen or double cross action. And Denver ended up doubling Andrew Wiggins on the drive and left both Poole and Clay Thompson wide open. And I was just like, what, what are you, you're going to double Wiggins? Like, it's baffling. I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I picked Denver to win the series um, in large part because I thought Curry was not going to be healthy. You know, I heard he was ramping back up. I heard he might play game one. He might not. He might be at a minutes restriction. Um, and I was like, yeah, hey, if if Curry's not healthy and not looking good, Denver Denver might be able to pull this off. I completely underestimated the fact that Nemanja Bjelica plays on the Serbian national team with Jokic and decided to all of a sudden like be FIBA Nemanja in the NBA playoffs. I mean, he is he is winning his minutes on the court, whether it's against Cousins or Jokic. Uh, and I, I want to make sure that we give him some love and praise. Uh, you know, in the pool party moments are just just insane. Have you thought of a new nickname for this death lineup or this five-man pool, Clay, Curry, Draymond, and Wiggins lineup? I haven't I haven't even begun to, to, to get there yet. I have no idea. I mean, they, they were like, okay, Clay Thompson's not the same. He's getting older. He got hurt. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, and this one can shoot off the dribble, by the way. A game I play in the playoffs when I'm watching is count the former Kings players that are now playing productive playoff <laughs> minutes. Um, Nemanja Bielitsa and Nebarcus Cousins playing in playoff games. Um, two famous Kings who just hated Sacramento, one more than the other. But I, 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 I was a huge Bielitsa fan, and I'm, I'm bummed he didn't love us back. But um, he plays playoff basketball. He's like 6'10", good shooter, good passer. I don't know if it's like a it's a FIBA basketball thing. Those guys just know how to play in the playoffs. He's he's smart. He's figuring it out, and he knows Jokic's tricks. Like Nemanja is no no one's idea of a great defender. I don't think those words have ever been said about him. But he's defending Jokic well, and I always I always kind of forget that. Like if you've got guys that went to the same college, like PJ Tucker and uh, Kevin Durant. They like have this like 
college rivalry bond that they're just going to compete crazy hard against each other and you see it doubly so for guys who play on the same national team yeah absolutely and they're going at Jokic um Jokic standing in the paint trying to use his advanced stats to stop the Warriors from shooting threes it's not working and and obviously we know this isn't like Dirk in 07 one of those MVP collapses, because that Mavs team lost in the first round. They won 67 games. That was a disaster. This this Nuggets team, is it disappointing losing in the first round? Sure. Is it the most shocking thing in the world when their second mm-hmm. best player is Aaron Gordon? Not really. Jokic is playing fine. He's getting himself his numbers. He's playing good defense. He's out there most of the game. Not a great supporting cast. No. I I watched game one and I, I completely forgot that Facundo Campazzo was suspended. And I'm watching this and I'm like, where's Facundo? Like, they, I just want someone that would try on defense and maybe take a little bit of ball handling responsibility away from Jokic. Uh, and it just, it's so bad. Um, Aaron Gordon looks miserable out there. Like, if Denver has any chance, they have to get something out of him. I don't care if you stagger his minutes, you only play him when Draymond's off the floor. But he has got to be able to give you something, run some part of the offense, even if it's not going to be a super high level. Like You just have to get something from him when he's giving you nothing. There's no second option. I don't see the Nuggets' future as bright as most people do. They obviously have Jokic. Jamal Murray had an ACL tear. Not always the same after that. He's still young. Michael Porter Jr.'s contract is horrible. It's a horrible contract. He's had three back surgeries since yeah. college. He's played in so few games to say like, oh, just wait until Michael Porter Jr. comes back. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. Is can he can he stay healthy? I just I just I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting going forward for them. Would you trade Michael Porter Jr. for Mikael Bridges? Oh my God, yeah, I would trade him. I would trade him for less than that to get off that deal and for someone whose back works. Because back injuries aren't like, oh, my foot hurts and, you know, trying to rehab it. Back injuries are something that you just, you may never recover from that. If it, right. happens, in, if it happens a fourth time, it's over. So, so you would definitely do that, which means you're mm-hmm. not going to do it if you're Phoenix. No. Would you trade Miles Bridges for uh, Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, these guys play basketball games at a high level. I don't, I, it's like trading things that are for things that aren't. I'm going to take the, maybe Porter Jr. is awesome. He's also 23 now. Um, and, and the back injuries, he's had three back surgeries. He played three games in college. All right, all right. Your rival GM, who is the best player you're willing to give up? If let's say just the, for the Kings, would I trade? I don't think I would trade Davion for for Michael Porter. Really? I just wouldn't. He doesn't play basketball games, and he was horrible this season, obviously because he was hurt. Putting eggs into this basket of someone with with spinal surgeries, it just and it's a max deal. It's not like I'll take a flyer on this guy. It's like twenty percent of your cap is now in this guy who just lives in the emergency room. I, I don't hey. want to pay him any money. As a Lakers fan, I'll give up D'Angelo, or I'll give up uh, what Russell Westbrook for him real easy. I bet you would. I bet you would. <laughs> I'll take that long-term payment, especially because if he gets another back problem and he's forced to retire, that that salary comes right off the books. That's that's cap savings, my friend. I didn't think about that. You could just maybe yeah. you know maybe he'll retire. I I wish. I hope he's. I hope he stays healthy because he really is special. Being as tall as he is, being as skilled as he is, he's mm-hmm. such a good shooter. But you see back injuries just ruin people's careers. 
backs and feet like feet injuries for big men oh, nothing mm. worries me more but I, I don't know I, I really thought Denver had a chance and they are just utter disappointments to me I would not be shocked at this point if it's Golden State in five I, I think Denver still snags one at home but I'm, I'm sad I think so too they get one at home but it's probably five or six six if they're lucky Denver going from here into the offseason you just let it roll over do it again. Murray and Porter Jr. come back. Now, no changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I think that'd be really good. It'd be great if they could actually add a Gary Harris back. You know, a, a good defensive shooting guard. Not not the current Gary Harris that we see in the league, but like someone like what Gary Harris was when he was at, at his peak. You know, because you're going to have Porter, you're going to have Murray and Jokic. So you really need another plus defender out there plus, next to Gordon as well. Another star... Would be nice. Obviously, those aren't just like, hey, go get another star. It's super easy. Mm-hmm. But this, the whole Jokic in a collection of good good players, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough. I like the team as it's built right now, but I don't love it. I feel like they're going to be like, they're always going to be good. I just don't see where that like leap comes from into like 65-win team, sweeping teams in the playoffs. I don't know if that happens with the current core. So how familiar are you with early MBA slash BAA history? Not too much, but let's talk about it. Just a little bit. Are you all familiar with the Providence Steamrollers? I think so. Is it just Steamroller? I think it's just Singular Roller. Is it? I don't that know. <laughs> no, no, there is an S. I did just Google. There is, there an, is an S. S. Maybe that's Steamrollers. Yeah, it is a base old baseball team. So when they flopped after the first season... Uh, instead of their players being drafted out amongst the other teams, they were bought by the Boston Celtics. <laughs> and all of their players just merged with the Celtics. Uh, and it it really actually helped vault Boston from being a really terrible team to help starting to set the stones that would put them in place for their Bill Russell run. It, it's, it's wild to go look at that part of NBA history because some of these breaks are just so lopsided and unbalanced based on this being like a really small, you know, mom and pops shop type of enterprise uh but basically yeah the celtics owner just kind of bought them out and then merged and took all of their best players and put them together wow and i I say all of that to be like man if we could just merge dallas and denver and only keep their good players that, that is a title team they'd be great they should they should talk about that they should what's what's a city in between dallas and denver they could go to like oh man just somewhere to just find the middle point and be like, this is it. Like, this is where we're going. It's, it's the middle coordinates of between Dallas and Denver. You know, it's like due north of Dallas and like due east of Denver. But let's bring back the St. Louis Hawks or, you know, get, put a team in St. Louis. They say, yeah, bring them back. Maybe New Mexico. Maybe New Mexico. Um, Vegas. Vegas wants a team. It's not in between. but. <laughs> I don't think Jokic and and Luca would last a week in Vegas. Oh my God, Luca's gonna show up three hundred pounds overweight. <laughs> I could just see Jokic and his brothers ending up at like a boxing match in Vegas, yeah. in one of the casinos, and then end up getting involved in the boxing match. Like Dennis Rodman showing up on WWE in the middle yeah. of the playoffs. Like that would be Jokic and his brothers. Yeah, it's a horrible city. They the cigarettes they would be smoking too many, like fifteen packs a day. Um, hey, they're not Velade. <laughs> okay, for the Mavericks, how are we feeling about 
this series with the Jazz. The the Luka-less Mavericks are scraping by a Jazz team that continues to disappoint. I am so confident in Dallas's ability. I don't think what Jalen Brunson did is repeatable. Uh, I think Maxi Kleber's three-point shooting will not be that great. I was it eight for eleven or something? But I, they're able to do that. All, do that to Utah without Luca. Luca is likely to return at some point, even if it's game four, or game five. Utah just doesn't scare me. They have the same flaw year in, year out, which is no one on the perimeter can defend. That forces Gobert to decide three point shot or two point shot. What do I want to give up? And so he bails on his man, drops into the paint, and you get wide open threes. And it's just, it's a repeatable formula that Utah has done nothing to fix and will blame on Gobert, but is really everyone but Gobert's fault. If I were Gobert, I would have murdered my whole team long ago. I would have killed them all in the locker room. Uh, The fact that he's getting flack for this and those guys just walk around like they're the saviors of Utah is unbelievable. If I'm Gobert, next time I see Jalen Brunson blowing by Donovan Mitchell, I'm just going to stand in the corner and let him score in the paint and be like, ah, yeah, should have stayed in front of that guy. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is a good enough defender to be the best player on a championship team. He can't stay in front of anybody. He's awesome offensively. Not this series, though. His shooting's been bad. It's not just Mitchell, but they can't stay in front of anybody. Gobert, oh. Gobert rotates, kicks to the corner, and, and Dallas thrives with those drive-and-kick situations, and they're just picking Utah apart. And, I mean, this this Dallas team isn't good without Luka. This is like, they probably win, like, 35 games without him. But and Dallas is like battling and like screaming and like ah oh, this is like it's such an intense game and we're like, come on like you're really that you you can't beat Jalen Brunson and and this this group around him. Did you hear what Jason Kidd said after the game? I did not. What he said? He he commented on Mitchell and uh, Rudy uh, and he said you know we got we really got to watch out their playmaker was feeding their big man down low and that's uh, that's a pretty dangerous offense so we got to watch out on on those uh, like Mitchell to go bear passes down low at, wow my goodness just like you you know you got problems and it's just it's time for the team to break up blow it up um you know joe losing joe england should not hurt you this much i know he was already out for the the season but his leadership like someone needs to step up in that locker room and just like start yelling at people start saying hey guys we have got to come together we are better than this uh and there's just no one apparently doing that what do you think about Quinn Snyder's future? Sure as hell hope it's not in LA. Really? If I'm Utah, I, I feel like they're going to pick one of the three. Snyder, Mitchell, or Gobert. One well, guy's going to stay, the other two are gone. I think at that point, they're just taking, they're keeping Mitchell. But, I mean, this has actually been a pretty good playoffs for first-year head coaches. Yeah, absolutely. It is his first time around, but this is his first year with Dallas. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking on his Willie, name. Willie, Willie Green and... Yeah. Is it is it uh, Chris Finch for the Timberwolves? Yeah, yeah good stuff. They're doing well. Here's a great question. Someone asked me this on my TikTok page. If all the playoff teams were playing right now, mm-hmm. as they are, but their coach had to play 24 minutes, who are you taking? Brooklyn. You taking Brooklyn? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about. You know, I didn't like it. I don't think Steve Nash's back is good enough. Here's the thing. None of their backs are good enough. <laughs> okay, I don't think Steve Nash can run. I don't know if he can run anymore. I think he's. The- you set one hard screen on Steve Nash, and he's out for the year. You're not setting a hard screen on Nash. Nash is not going to handle the ball. You're going to put him in the corner and say catch and shoot. Yeah. I ended up saying uh, Udoka for the Celtics. I felt like the Celtics yeah. were good enough. Udoka's only 44. 
Uh, he's 6-7. But the one thing the Celtics really have going for them is they can switch everything. And they you can't target their defense, so you can't run that pick and roll. As soon as you put Udoka out on the floor, now, now he's getting targeted by Kyrie and Kevin Durant all day long. And, I mean, Kyrie's going to put that man in a blender. And Steve Nash, Steve Nash couldn't guard a glacier right now. Underrated pick is the Pelicans and Willie Green. Willie Green is almost an NBA player. He's the, probably the best player on the worst team right now. Um, and maybe just by having someone who's like kind of okay, he's only 40, the Pelicans would be able to, because, you know, 24 minutes is a long time. I'm trying to run through all of the coaches in my head and just think if there's someone I might be missing. Eric Spolstra never played professional basketball, or maybe he didn't, like, I think no, he didn't. Name McMillan is too old. Mike Budenholzer and uh, the Bulls coach, uh, Billy Scott Donovan. Brooks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other Thunder coach. Yeah. I don't think Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers is too old. Steve Kerr is, is Nash, but worse. I don't think he can run anymore. I have a loophole. What's your loophole? So it's, it's for a coach that is not in the playoffs, but I think this is my answer. Okay. Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> He's gonna foul out in less than twenty-four minutes, and then I can get out of having to play him, right? No, they have to. They can just foul all they want. They have to be in there. If they don't play the twenty-four minutes, then um, then you lose the game. What, what if he's ejected on tic- on technicalities? He can do whatever you want out there. Thibodeau would have cardiac arrest by the fifteenth minute. Yeah. What if he dies? <laughs> then you're playing five on. You can strategically place his body in, in ways that help you offensively and defensively. Oh, this got real dark. <laughs> not entirely opposed to that, but... I'm, I'm sorry, Tom Thibodeau. Whew. Can Nick Nurse play with a guitar? Why would he Why would he need a guitar? Well, apparently he takes a guitar with him on road trips, just slings it over his back, you know, goes with the shades. He doesn't just plays on the bus. But if he's got a guitar, I feel like he can hold the neck and like try to wave it and block shots with it. That might yeah. might give him an edge. No, there's there's something to that. There's something to that for sure. What about you? Does Udonis Haslam count? No, he's actually still a player. Does he still play? He's a player coach. You know what? I I was watching the Heat game and I was cracking up with my brother because I just want Udonis Haslam to check in, walk straight up to Trey Young and just beat the shit out of him, and then just retire. He could just beat him to a pulp and be like, eh, I don't know, this is my last game anyways, and just, just walk out. Do you do you remember Lonzo Ball's first game, and like his first possession, he brings the ball across half court, and Patrick Beverly just hits him? Yeah, I remember that. That was amazing. I, I don't want to see any sort of like physical violence that will harm or truly injure anyone but I wouldn't be opposed to more players taking that approach to like these young hotshot teams or players and just like, hey, this is a man's league. We're here to just knock you out. I love it. You just say you have the the enforcer, the 15th man that you just threaten to come in, attack the team's best player. <laughs> For- I think I think we got a little off topic here, but just just to clarify, Western Conference, Golden State's going to win. Yes, five or six. We're both still on board for Memphis over Minnesota. In five. I'm going five. They're going to sweep them after this. You're nervous for Phoenix. I'm still 100% down for Phoenix to win this. I'm going to go Pelicans in seven. And whether or not Utah wins, they need to blow it up. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have a, uh, a prediction for the Utah-Dallas, this matchup? You know, it's funny. I actually think Utah's still going to win in seven. I, I think... I don't trust Luca's hamstring. I'm not sure when he's coming back necessarily. They already took one on the road. That's the important thing. 
as much as I don't think they are, they're going to get picked apart in, in later rounds, I think. But it, they got a break with Luka not being healthy. Can you imagine if the Pelicans are able to, to pull the upset off on the Suns, you know, Booker is out, and then they get to play the Jazz. And I, I just got to imagine the Pelicans, I will take Pelicans over Jazz. We could be looking at the Pelicans in the Western Conference Finals. That's not crazy. And then that validates every single play-in from here for 50 years from now. People are like, hey, remember the 2022 Pelicans? Like, they were the 10th seed. They totally did it. It's, it validates the whole experience. The play-in validates itself. I, I'm sorry, but like those people that were worried about the Timberwolves possibly losing and getting knocked out in the play-in, okay, if it happens, so what? So you you weren't going to go anywhere. Like If you can't win one of those two play-in games, like, you know, I, I, I'm not sad. I don't think you're going to win a series at that point. Like, the, the play-in is a good idea. We just all need to embrace it. I love the play-in. Huge play-in, fam. Anything that incentivizes winning is, is good in my books. I love that it both prevents the 11th seed from just being like, ah, screw it. Here's all my vets. Mm-hmm. I'll take three second-round picks, and I'm done. And it, But most importantly for me, what I see is the 6th seed really cares now. Yeah. It's not just, oh, we'll make it. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, I, you know, they're the 6th seed trying to be like, oh, I actually want to be this. I want to be the 7th seed because the 2nd seed is weaker and all that garbage. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't want to be in the plan. Like, I just, none of that. And that that's good. I also love it for exactly what happened to Cleveland. And I think it it's a shame what happened to Cleveland, but losing star players to injury at the end of the year and then getting smoked in the playoffs. Like, I remember the Pistons a few years back when Blake Griffin was playing on one leg and, like, the Bucks just steamrolled them. I was like, this was the biggest waste of everyone's time. If there was a way to just get them out of the playoffs and have a young, fun team like the Hawks get in there. I, I'd much rather have it. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Hawks. They played last night. They did not play today, so they are free to talk about. I watched that game. I suffered through fifty <laughs> personal fouls. The just. I think there is one stretch of actual basketball, and in that stretch, later in the third, the Heat took over. The Heat turned the ball over way too much, and just the fouls. I don't think they played basketball for the first twenty-four minutes. No, but speaking of your kings in other places contributing to playoff series, uh, you got Bojan. Yeah, Bogdan and Delon Wright are on the are on the Hawks, and Delon Wright, one of the famous kings, traded for him for some reason, let him walk in the in the off season, and then he's on a actually no, we traded him again. I forget who we traded him for, but yeah, two guards, two Atlanta guards, and Bogdan is one of those guys. It's the FIBA thing. They work in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He takes a good shot. He knows how to get his own shot. He gets to the basket. He's a smart player. He makes winning basketball plays. And that's a generic thing to say, but you really do believe that. You're like, man, like Bogdan's really out there where some other players, like DeAndre Hunter got off to a good start. And then I don't know if he played after the five minute mark. I'm sure he did. I didn't notice, but Bogdan's out there. And you're like, wow, like that guy's really doing something. Yeah. And 29 points on the night, leading the Hawks and scoring, leading. It, it just. He's a good player. I really wish that Milwaukee hadn't gotten caught tampering because let's let's be honest, everyone tampers. I'm I, I kind of just think we need to get rid of tampering rules and just say, hey, go for it. Um, or figure out a better way to police and enforce them. But he would be so nice with the Bucks. Uh, he's he's nice with the Hawks. But this series is a wrap. I don't even know if Atlanta gets a game. I, I mean, I guess they could have that really hot shooting game him once, but. 
don't know. Do you, do you go any chance of a game? Uh, no. I had the Heat sweeping from the beginning, and I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening for Atlanta. Um, Trey Young, he turned the ball over 10 times, but he still was incredible, I felt like. He came out, took a 30-footer, missed it horribly, and I'm like, ah, like, oh my god, like this is going to be another repeated game one. It really was not. He played well. My example for him is in the old 2K games, if your point guard had good enough passing attributes, no matter where he was in his shot or his jump, he could kick the ball out to someone wherever. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Trey Young is like in the air, back turned. He's barely holding on the ball and he somehow flips it out to somebody. And the, the Hawks were in the game for pretty much the whole thing because of that the swing around the perimeter and he couldn't stay up with it. I have not gotten a chance to watch this game yet, but I am really interested to watch how Jimmy Butler performed. You know, it, it, you can look at the box score and it looks pretty impressive, but what was your takeaway from watching Butler? It was the slowest 45 points I've ever seen in my life. It was just <laughs> okay. methodical and he was shooting the basketball from deep. He was taking three pointers. Yeah. He doesn't, he never does that. All of a sudden he's this sniper, which is this element to the heat that they did not have before that could be huge going forward i think jimmy butler's the worst player to have that durant type like catch the ball and like ah like this guy's probably gonna score just in terms of scoring obviously butler does other things really well um he had a lot of um uh, and i'll say like kind of ticky tack and ones like i think three of them they, they barely touched him but even given that he was he was all over the place he never turned the ball over i don't think he committed a foul the Heat probably lose by 10 without him. In our last episode, Dylan and I walked through what could be the reason to cause each team to lose uh, of our title contenders. Let's take the most negative, most pessimistic side. And for Miami, we basically said they don't have an elite go-to scoring option. And you know, when the game gets close and tough, do we really trust Jimmy Butler to get the ball and to put it in the basket? And in your mind, after watching that game, would you feel more comfortable with Jimmy Butler being that option? Absolutely. It's a, it's an element that I didn't see coming, or it's like, yeah, Butler's a great scorer, he's a good player. When this, at the two-minute mark, are you going to go, okay, Jimmy, go get us a bucket, everyone clear out? And at that point, at this point, I would say yes. Obviously, he's not going to do 45 points every night, but that's still valuable, because I don't think Lowry is going to do that. He shot, Lowry was two of eight from the field, one of six. 37 minutes, and he just was flopping and flailing all over the court. I don't know if you saw the video of him trying to draw a foul at half court. What is he doing out there? I love Kyle Lowry, but just play basketball, man. That's an element to the heat that really puts them up a notch for me, if Butler can be that guy. Speaking of kings that are in different places. Dwayne Dedman. Unbelievable. Uh, he was toast. He was he was cooked when he was on the Kings. All of a sudden, he's playing playoff minutes for the Heat. This is just heartbreaking to see your team's former players succeeding elsewhere. It's it's a it's a tiny victory. I take them as I come or as I can. Um, I take- my my co-hosts on the on the other pods always kind of tease me because I I pay such close attention to the Lakers that got traded away for Davis and the pre-Davis trades. Uh, to kind of clear room in the the offseason, like Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, Ivacha Zubox. Like, we traded away an entire, like, 10-man rotation of starters, and, and they may not all be the best, but Thomas Bryant was starting for a while. Mo Wagner started for a little bit. Isak Banga started for Wizards last season. In addition to Ingram, Lonzo, Hart, like, 
we just we gave up everything so much other player other teams are simply a farm system a, a baseball-esque farm system for lakers stars and then you guys give us role players and it's this awesome symbiotic relationship <laughs> except for this point i feel like we've been tricked with the poison pill star of hey we got star we, we got russell westbrook and all of our good role players have gone somewhere else in our leading happy lives that one gotcha the westbrook trade it was not good and we talked about that last pod yeah. But I think we're getting to the point where people are... We're not going to talk about the Lakers too much. You, know, guys, you guys aren't in the playoffs. This is the last thing I'll yeah, say about no, the Lakers. I, mean, <laughs> I think we're getting to that point with the Davis trader. People are like, was it too much? Did they give up too much? You win no, a ring, you none, of, you win a ring none of it yeah. matters. But at the same time, in hindsight, they're going to be like, they get rid of like maybe a future All-NBA guy and Ingram and Lonzo and all these picks. Josh Hart's pretty good. I, I certainly think... I bet the Lakers would undo that trade if they could. Not in 2020, but right now, if they could trade Davis for all those guys again. Uh, sure. They would sure. trade two Anthony Davises for all that stuff again. Well, and not to not to stay on the Lakers too long, but you, you win a chip, you always make that trade 10 times out of 10. The untalked about other side is that if we don't sign LeBron, there's a good chance we get Paul George and then we get Kawhi because they both want to come to L.A. but neither want to play with LeBron. So, like, maybe we could be Clippers with those guys. And I think that team is real interesting, but you just never know. Yeah, absolutely. Super teams don't always work out. And on that note, a game that will probably be done by the time I'm finished editing this is the Brooklyn-Boston uh, game. How are you feeling about this series? Did game one make you more confident in Boston or less confident in Boston? It made me more confused. I had all okay. these things in my head of like, this is what's going to happen. And Durant's going to play. He's going to get 50 on 45 minutes and X, Y, and Z. And none of it happened because Durant wasn't good. And Kyrie was amazing. Goran Dragic played well. I think that's the one good Goran Dragic game they're going to get. If they're banking on that, that's a mistake. But it's the same thing with Al Horford for the Celtics. They got a good game out of him. I, I wouldn't count on that again. And Drummond looked pretty decent for Brooklyn, which, you know, I'm not a Drummond fan. I will say that this is what encouraged me to get into podcasting and get into a lot more NBA community groups is one of my buddies, whom I love, uh, once told me that he thought that Andre Drummond was the best center in the NBA. And this was like 2013, 2014. Uh, and I was like, man, I need new friends. <laughs> I need new NBA <laughs> friends to talk to. But like I live in Michigan and people were really excited and I I'll give them their excitement. I've made videos on Drummond before and it's hard to explain to people. They're like, no, like the numbers and like these I know they're big numbers, but like they're not real numbers. Like you have to understand, like he's it's all fake. Andre Drummond doesn't exist. He was plus minus a negative thirteen in seventeen minutes last night. Um or not last night, but last game. Ben Simmons might be back. How do you feel about that? Do you think that changed anything? I don't. I So I walked out of game one kind of thinking that it, it's almost a win for Brooklyn. You went into Boston's arena. Uh, they had a, a number of guys have really good games. Durant struggled. And that was a crazy final like buzzer beating shot that a half a second later on the release, that doesn't count. That spin move was kind of wild. Marcus Smart passing it to Tatum. Tatum like barely recognizes and catch like there is you can replay that play a, a dozen times. And I don't know how often that goes in, 
And I don't think this was a great Brooklyn game. So it made me feel more confident in Brooklyn, even without Simmons. You get Simmons back and hey, you don't have to play Drummond as much. Cool. Great. I think that's I think that's a win. What an amazing shot. What is just an all time. Oh, my God. I can't believe that happened. Kind of shot. Mm-hmm. I, I try to think of for, this is the the 1987 conference finals. Mm hmm. Uh, Bird steals the ball from Isaiah, passes to Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson knew to cut there. And at the time, you know, how many guys know to make that cut? And it's the same thing for Tatum. I think you could count stars just in the playoffs that are standing at the three-point line waiting for that kick out. I think Durant does it. I think Kyrie does it. I think LeBron does it. I think Luka does it. I know Donovan Mitchell does it. Even Giannis does it. It's funny to Giannis watch Giannis stand there. And he's like... Pass me the ball. I'm open. I'm going to hit this three. And you're like, no, Giannis. It's, Chris Middleton's going to shoot the three. You cut for the rebound. And you can see just the clock awareness for Tatum to cut with one second left. Because Durant, if you're watching one that play, he's done. Yeah. He's standing there waiting for, he's like, I can't believe there's still time left. What's happening? Like Marcus Smart, one, should have shot that shot. The Marcus yeah. Smart I know takes that shot 10 times out of 10. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's driving and the game is not over. And, and Tatum made the shot, and it's over. And Durant's just standing there like, what happened? Well, and in Tatum's postgame interview, he said he was cutting for the rebound and trying to get a tip in because he thinks Marcus Smart is going to shoot. And like you can almost see like a, a surprised look on his face when the ball gets passed to him. And he's like reaching back to grab it. And like that, that was part of the impetus for the spin is I had to reach back, and that momentum was forcing me to spin. You know, not not to take away too much credit for him because he still makes the cut. He's still trying to do this, but it it was a wild final play, and all of that just makes me kind of more confident in Brooklyn. I mean, it, it's great that Boston was able to get that win, but when you need that wild of a final play, and when this was a bad Durant game, I don't know. I just I had Boston in six before the series started, and now I'm thinking Brooklyn in seven. Wow, you think Brooklyn's gonna take it? I still don't see it. I think. I'm going to totally date myself in this podcast if the Celtics lose tonight, but I think I think the Celtics win tonight by 10. I think they handle it. I, I could see them winning tonight. I'm a pretty noncommittal game to game, but I just feel overall vibes provided everyone stays healthy. I don't know. The, the game made me more confident in Brooklyn. We have to talk about um, two things. With Simmons, Bill Simmons, the writer, talked about this on his podcast and I agree with him in the sense where Ben Simmons is going to check in. I'm like, all right, hack him. Go shoot free throws. Yeah. One for two, awesome. Next possession. We get a bucket. Okay, Ben, go shoot free throws. O of two, awesome. Next possession. And I think they're going to drive him into the ground. And, and to come in after not playing for a year, basically to date from the last time he played, which was this epic playoff meltdown, the playoffs are won in, in half-court settings. Transition's awesome. That's where Ben Simmons is good. Ben Simmons is a negative on in the half-court setting. Because right now, if he let's say Ben Simmons takes the Bruce Brown role, rolling high pick and rolls into the middle, the middle of the court, or maybe some kickouts into the corner for Bruce Brown, I don't think Ben Simmons does any of that. Ben Simmons isn't taking corner threes. If he comes out and just starts jacking up threes, different story. I doubt he does that. But the fact that Bruce Brown's willing to take three three-pointers a game or two three-pointers a game and make a few is so valuable. And Ben Simmons isn't going to do that. You might as well stick him on the baseline out of bounds just for spacing reasons. I don't see him helping. Do you remember after Shaq got traded to Phoenix uh, the first time they played San Antonio? This, this is a really specific reference. I do. I do remember. 
They followed him immediately. They followed him immediately, and he just like started looking around, and Pop standing there, two thumbs up, like, ha ha. <laughs> <Like>, this, <laughs> this is your life. Welcome back to the Western Conference, buddy. Yeah. I mean, the second Ben Simmons checks into the game, let's watch Boston and see if Luke Cornett checks in. <laughs> you know, if Luke Cornett checks in at the same time, you're 100% right. That's that's what they're going to do. That's I mean, I don't even know if you play Ben Simmons. Like coming off of the injury, coming off of everything, I, I don't know that this is how I want to reintroduce him, even if there wasn't mental health issues or anything. Just just in general, I don't like the idea of taking a player that hasn't played the entire season. You know, you can say the exact same thing about uh, Michael Porter Jr., who said that he might come back. Take the same thing about Jamal Murray, who has said that he is physically ready but does not want to come back in the playoffs. Like, I, I'm 100% don't play those guys. Let Denver take the L, uh, and I'm, I'm the same on Ben Simmons. Don't play him. And it's not like Ben Simmons is this has the mental fortitude to handle missing free throws in the garden and in the yeah if it's Giannis, Giannis doesn't care misses all of his free throws gets better ben simmons is gonna freak out if he misses four free throws in a row and in a away game he's gonna lose his mind i don't love the situation no it's it's rough absolutely marcus smart is he the least exciting defensive player of the year in recent memory so i think this is a little bit of how we kind of became friends on tiktok is uh, your comments about defense and my kind of pushback of I really don't value defensive player awards. Like, I think it's nice. I, I think um, Zach Lowe said this when he votes for defensive players. Like, he was talking about, hey, is Matisse Thibel actually the best defender? Uh, and, and Zach kind of came to the, worked around to the conclusion that, hey, he might be the best defender, but he can only play 20 minutes. And so he's going to take the guy that plays 35 minutes even if he's a worse defender because he can play more and he's slightly better on offense i'm like that's a terrible way to judge best defensive player because in my mind best defensive player is a very specific subset of skills and it doesn't tell me much about his overall value it just tells me that he's really good at defense in the same way like a lou williams is really good at scoring um so i i guess i just don't care that smart is defensive player of the year i would much rather see him be an all-star and like be more valuable to his team i think smart is very valuable to the celtics obviously yeah but just not a great i i didn't hear any smart talk for defensive player of the year until like march and then it was like hey maybe and then the votes started rolling in they're like actually marcus smart's gonna win this thing i'm like yeah like okay like you know we know rudy gobert is the best defensive player in the league just tired of voting for him but like how does Giannis? like is Giannis not unbelievable is this just the voters getting creative and being like ah oh, like i'm gonna vote marcus smart because he deserves it and they all do that on accident and then he wins i mean just just thinking about it draymond or bam both fantastic amazing defenders didn't play enough games i get i get them not getting a ton of votes rudy gobert I get it. Voter fatigue. Once again, you don't want to vote for him. Smart kind of just feels like people were like, ah, who, who else are we going to vote for? Boston has a really impressive defense. I was personally trying to beat the drum for Robert Williams um, because in my mind, Smart's defense has not changed. Smart is the same level of defender this year as he was last year. What changed is Tatum took it up a defensive level and Robert Williams took it up a defensive level. And that is why Boston's defense is now super good. Yeah, I don't think he was the catalyst for this jump. He just happens to be a great defensive player and a great defensive team. 
Yeah. So the second game of tonight is Sixers Raptors. How do you feel about that series? Uh, I am one of the fools that I'm not. No, no, I'm not one of the fools. I'm one of the people that smartly looked at what could happen and said, all right, I like how Toronto matches up and I think they're going to do a good job limiting Embiid and limiting James Harden. And had they stayed healthy, I'm not fully convinced I would be wrong. But with Gary Harris, you know, in his situation and with health and uh, illness, I, I don't fully know, but I, I know he's pretty ill. Um, with Scotty Barnes out indefinitely, um, with Thad Young injured. And I, I just want to say that first game, Fred Van Vliet picking up two fouls in the first 60 seconds of the game really set the tone for what he was going to be able to do defensively and physically. Um, Chris Boucher, he fouling out in like 15 minutes of total action. I get. Philadelphia really tries to to draw fouls, um, but a lot of those were not even like on James Harden foul baiting or Embiid trying to draw. Those were just tic tac calls that went against Toronto that I think really hurt them. Um, so I, I think the series is over. I think without Scotty Barnes, Toronto has no chance. But I I wish he had stayed healthy. I think we would have had a good series. They're beating the brakes off the Raptors. They're kicking yeah. them around right now. I had Philadelphia in seven. There's two things that I saw. The first one is Toronto matches up really well. It's a good defensive team. They're going to frustrate Harden and Embiid with all this length, all these wings. But on the other hand, I was thinking how many times does the team with by far the best player by a huge margin lose the series? If they, you know, maybe Jokic right now against the Warriors, but him and Curry are close and Jokic has no help. But it's Harden and Embiid. And I just I don't think the Raptors have enough talent. I, it's it's a it's a scheme mismatch in favor of the Raptors. It's a talent mismatch in favor of the Sixers. I will just say anybody that predicted Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey having this type of performance and just absolutely taking off, go buy a lotto ticket. Like you've obviously got something lucky going on right now. Like. What the two combined for over 60 points in game one? Uh, I think it was pretty close to 70 because I want to say it was 28 and 38. Like, Harris has just been a monster. I know lots of people are talking about Maxi, so that just kind of goes without saying. But what what Tobias Harris has been able to do and his off ball cutting to try to get to the basket, you know, Harden's finding them and Harden is actually having a beautiful passing series. I, I don't know that this makes me much higher on Philadelphia. Does this like does it make you think that they can win the title, or does this just make you kind of realize, hey, Toronto does not have depth, and without three of their rotation players, they're just not going anywhere. It hinges on Maxi. I know Tobias Harris is going to come back down to earth. He's going to go back to the Tobias Harris we know and love. He's out there for thirty five minutes, and you don't notice. Mm-hmm. But for Maxi, if he can be twenty points a night, this combo point guard shooting guard thing that alleviates the scoring from Harden I think Embiid's happy scoring but Harden is gonna have those nights he's not shooting well right now Harden's gonna have those playoff nights where he goes three for 15 where he's two for 11 with six turnovers and if that doesn't kill them because Maxi can step up they're contenders again the talent's there um it hinges on Maxi. I think Harden's going to be what he is right now, and Bede's going to be amazing. That's not enough to win a title. Can Maxi be the third option? I think he can. I hope he can. Yeah, so I went and pulled up. These two teams played each other like five games before the end of the regular season, 
Uh, and Toronto won with Tobias Harris playing 38 minutes and scoring eight points. Like the Harris improvement in scoring really cannot be overstated you know, what what he is doing. And we've seen him do this at points in the past, but it's it's nice to see him do it again. I, I'm trying to think. This is the 4-5 matchup, so they're going to play Miami. I, I could see Philadelphia knocking off Miami. Uh, and making the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think that's a win for them. I think that's got to be got to be a great win for the franchise. I agree. I think they could do the same thing. They have the highest ceiling and the lowest floor for me, and they've been raising that floor with these games. I felt like best case scenario, Harden and beat Click. The role players show up. They're a title team. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, Harden flames out and Bead can't handle the double teaming. Harden's in a new team in five months. I'm not ruling that one out. I'm I'm still not ruling that one out that Harden's <laughs> on a new team in five months. It's totally if you were if we were taking if you we were betting on stars to have a new team, Harden is the safest pick. Good. Yeah. All right. So we got one one series left. It's only played one game. It was my pick of the playoffs to be a sweep. Any uh any delineation from the sweep prediction for Bucks Bulls? No. I, I don't I think that was their one chance. That was their that was the Bulls' one chance to snag a game and they, they could not do it. The offense for both teams was stalling. There was a point a good way into the fourth quarter if both teams had scored three points in the fourth. It was it was not great. Um, just not a great game to watch in general, but I think mm-hmm. the Bucks will figure I think the Bucks will figure it out because their defense is gonna be that good going forward. And I don't think I think the Bulls had an especially good defensive night. If you were coaching Chicago, what would be your keys to trying to knock off Milwaukee? Make the shots you take. I, I wish I had some scheme. Um, I thought they were getting good looks. It wasn't falling. Yeah. I texted my grandma. She is turning 80 soon. She's lived in Chicago for a very long time. Oh, mazel tov. Yeah, mazel tov. And I said, what do you think of the game? And she said they played great defense. And they need to make their shots. And that's the best thing. I, that's the best analysis I could have gotten. Yeah, I I watched it and I was like, Vu, Vu had good shots. Vu, I would change absolutely nothing about his shot selection for a game. Him too. I hope he continues to shoot. I hope he actually shoots more threes. Um, just kind of statistical variance. Eventually they're going to drop. You're going to have some returning to the mean. And I, I don't know that's going to be enough, but just keep jacking threes. You'll have a hot game at some point. So maybe maybe Bulls still get one, but I don't see any way for Chicago to win this series provided everyone stays healthy. I agree. And that's a great point about Vooch. He was awesome in a certain stretch. He didn't shoot well overall, but there was a stretch, I think, in the third where he just ate up Brooke Lopez for a good four yep. or five minutes. Took him in the post, a few hook shots, stretched the floor. He had one three. The others didn't fall. He had another great play where he runs down the court and kind of seals Giannis under the basket. And I think he made an and one layup after that. If he can take over... That'd be incredible for the Bulls. I think the Bulls' biggest issue is they're playing Tristan Thompson at all. Another former King. <laughs> yeah, but he's not thriving in the playoffs. We were talking about Kings that were doing well. That's true. You know, the one thing that I saw that I really liked was them trying to use Caruso against Giannis. It worked. Well, Caruso it does an excellent job at baiting Giannis into driving against him and trying to use that size. And they drew two or three offensive fouls. I forget which. Um, but he picked up like four offense fouls in the third and fourth combined. And I just think if you can get under him and you can bait him into driving and then have a little guy take a charge, because like Giannis will hit you and 
I don't want to get hit by Giannis. That looks like it hurts. Like Caruso is not selling it to to take this hit. Like that that is a serious hit, and refs will call it if you can get Giannis in foul trouble and limit him to to twenty minutes, twenty five minutes due to foul trouble. You've got a good chance of being the Bucks. That's what made me nervous about the Bucks chances i just in, in for the title their chances to win the whole thing i don't like their i don't like their offense when it matters i feel like they have middleton holiday can get his own shot isn't elite at it Giannis is so desperate he sees in a sliver of space and he's like i'm just gonna do it i'm going like i'm so sorry and he just barrels people over sometimes it's awesome sometimes he dunks all over people draws mm-hmm. fouls and one layups Sometimes it's just a dumb turnover. He runs smack into Caruso, and he didn't have to do any of that if he just took a 15-footer. You know, the one thing I'll say, though, is refs swallow their whistle in the final two minutes, and that's why I kind of like him over Butler to try to get me that bucket in the final two, is they're both going to try to fight their way in, and Giannis has the strength to do it. And if refs swallow the whistle and aren't making the call, Giannis is going to get to the basket. I'll tell you what, let's end with a little draft. Let's go five guys deep on each of players in the playoffs right now you want to take the last shot for you. Mm. All right, yeah, you can have the first pick. Uh, first pick is Durant. Taking Durant. Darn it. I was really hoping you would try to go somewhere, anywhere else. No, nah, I think that's the obvious pick. I'm going to go with Steph Curry. Really? Give it up, give it up some size, but I, I love his range to be like, hey, I'm going to cross half court, and you have to defend me the entire you know, so much that that's that's where I want to go with Curry. I don't know if I would have taken him in the top four or five. I'll take Luca. Mm. Go with Luca. That's a good one. Oh gosh, this, this is really making me realize that I don't trust a lot of players in the clutch. Yeah, that tells you a lot of stuff about what teams you like. Like I'm I'm half tempted to take Kyrie because we've seen him hit these shots in big moments. I, I, I think that's where I'm going to go because I, I'm debating Kyrie and Tatum and. Tatum's offense bogs down. We saw it at the end of game one. You know, he's still still stoppable. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Kyrie. Okay, you have Steph and Kyrie. I'm going to go with, I'm debating Booker. I'm going to go Booker. I'll go Booker. Yeah, see, I, I mean, to, to stick with my theme of small guards, I would have actually taken Chris Paul over Booker. Really? Well, he's been more clutch for them for most of the past two years. Most of the time when they get down into clutch scenarios, it goes to to Paul's hands, and Paul makes it happen. That's true. Take Chris Paul, then. Go ahead. I don't want to take (laughs) I feel like you're going to try to say at the end of this, it's a 5v5 game, and I can't have all point guards. (laughs) Uh, No, I think this is the point where I would take Tatum. Okay. I I don't love his NBA or his like basketball IQ and trying to solve these things. But I love his height and length and he is pretty offensively versatile. I'm going to go with Embiid. I yeah. think it's the next, he's going to get a, he's going to get a shot off. He's going to shoot over whoever. Is it a great shot? Probably not, but just having a clear look at the basket, I think is important in these situations. Yeah. I, I was really thinking about Carl Anthony towns for that reason of, you know, a high offensive skill set. We can kind of ignore the defense um, I don't know. Give me Jokic. Jokic, okay. He's not going to so, be in a close game, but if you got a chance to barrel someone down and, and try to score, I, I like his odds. Who do you have so far? Uh, I got Tatum, Jokic, Kyrie, and Curry. And Curry, okay. My last pick, some guys available. We have Brandon Ingram, Anthony yeah. Edwards, yeah. Jalen Brown. No, no. Any of the Bulls players. <laughs> I mean, 
DeMar DeRozan has technically led the league in clutch scoring. Um, I I remember his game winner over the Pacers uh, on New Year's night, New Year's Eve, uh, where he banks in this three. And like just... it was just an outstanding shot that had no business going in. He didn't think it was going in. And that's kind of how I feel about his chances of he might make it. He's got some clutch mid-range shots, but I don't I don't want DeRozan. No, that, that I feel to say I think I feel like the playoffs are different for DeRozan. You no one's we haven't even talked about Giannis. I feel like his lack of shooting kind of puts mm-hmm. it away in this situation. Jimmy Butler and Trey Young also available. I think I'm going to go... Man, I can't unsee what I saw last night. I feel like Ingram's a dumb choice, but man. I'll go Butler. Give me Jimmy Butler. Ha, I psyched you out. I'm going to Rosen. <laughs> You're going to Rosen. <laughs> Most clutch player all season long. Yeah, I'm going to Rosen. <laughs> yeah, he should have he, he made him last game, then I would have talked about it. Uh, it's, it. It wasn't close. It, it could have been had he made any of his shots leading up to the fourth. But it wasn't. So, you know, he states <laughs> by unscathed by this criticism. That's true. All right. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We'll have to have you back like maybe at some point in the second round to see how those series are going. Uh, if the people want to follow you, where can they check you out at? I am at it possible chairs on tiktok go check that out i make videos ranking nba players talking about the nba and the playoffs my top 75 is going to be redone and re-released soon because i haven't done it in forever so go check that out awesome and as always you can like and follow us tiktok facebook wherever you get your uh podcast hope you have a good one thank you so much thank you for having me